أَلَمْ تَرَوْ Do you not see أَنَّ اللَّهَ That indeed Allah سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ He has subjected for you. What has He subjected for you? مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ Whatever that is in the skies وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ And whatever that is in the earth. Everything in the sky, everything in the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has subjected that for you, O mankind. Do you not see that? Do you not realize that? Do you not understand that? Do you not see the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon you? That this entire universe, it is as if it is serving you. Everything that you see above you, beneath you, around you, it is helping you to live. It is something that is facilitating your existence. If the sun wasn't there, you wouldn't be alive. If the clouds weren't there, you wouldn't be alive. If plants didn't grow, you wouldn't be alive. So the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this universe, if we look at it, if we observe, everything is ultimately serving who? Human beings, mankind. Everything is working so that life can exist on this planet. And life, specifically whose life? Of human beings, of mankind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala questions us, Alam tara? Don't you see it? Don't you get it? Isn't it so obvious? Isn't it so clear? Why don't you notice this? That أَنَّ اللَّهَ سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ And the word سَخَّرَ يُسَخِّرُ تَسْخِيرُ سِينْ خَارَ Is to forcibly appoint something on a task. Meaning not give it any choice. So for example, the sun doesn't have a choice. Does it? No. The trees, they don't have their own will. Even animals, they don't have their own choice. They don't have their own will. It's like they're programmed to migrate from one place to the other. How hard is that journey? Just think about it. How long is that journey? You know when you see animals for example migrating from one part to the other, how many of them die along the way? Isn't it? How many of them lose their babies along the way? It's amazing. How many times if you think about it, birds have to make their nests? Why? Because every year they're migrating, constantly moving, moving, moving. And with all of this movement, the earth is alive. And when the earth is alive, who is alive? Mankind is ultimately alive. So, سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ He has appointed every creature on a task. He has programmed it. He has not given it any choice. Why? So that you can live. And سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ also gives us the meaning of that everything is at your disposal. You can have control over so many things. You have control over animals, you can tame them, you can kill them, you can eat them, you can make them work, you can let them free. It's up to you. سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ Plants. I mean, just look at agriculture. Just look at mining. Just look at all these resources that are there at our disposal. We can make so much with it. We make profits, we advance, we make our lives easier with so many things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided to us. So, why don't you see this, O mankind? Don't you have a reason now to be grateful to your Lord? Alam taraw anna Allaha sakhara lakum ma fi samawati wa ma fi ardi This entire universe is there for you so that you can do what you want. 
عَلَيْكُمْ And He has amply bestowed upon you. أَسْبَغَ What is it that He has amply bestowed upon you? نِعَمَهُ His blessings. The word ni'am is the plural of the word ni'mah. Ni'mah, one blessing. And ni'am, numerous blessings. Many blessings. So Allah has amply bestowed upon you His blessings. Which blessings? ظَاهِرَةً Manifest. وَبَاطِنَةً And hidden. All types of blessings. Manifest and hidden. But look at the word asbagha. Asbagha is from the root letters seen ba ghain. Alright? And sabagha literally means to be vast. Okay? To be broad, to be vast. And when something is like that, it gives a sense of perfection, completion. Alright? So for example, we learn about Dawood alayhi salam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him a ni'mal sabigat. Okay? That make basically you know, armor that is sabigat, that is complete. Okay? So armor that is worn, okay, that is such that it is complete. Complete as in it covers the body, alright? So that the body is protected from, you know, arrows and all of that. So, dir'un sabigun. Okay? Dir'un sabigun is used for armor that covers the body entirely. Have you seen pictures of that? Any images of that sort? Right? There's literally lines on the place where the nose is so that a person can get some air to breathe through. Right? There's literally a little bit of a gap for the eyes so that a person can look outside. Otherwise, he's completely covered. This is dir'un sabirun. So from this, asbagha, uh, isbagh, is to give liberally. Alright? So asbagha gives a meaning of atamma. Alright? Atamma, that he has completed. Akmala. Alright? And also awsa'a, that he has given so much. So asbagha alaykum, he has lavishly given you, he has given you liberally, he was showered upon you. So basically he has given you everything you need for your existence. Just think about it. If you try to count the number of apples that you've eaten, would you be able to? In your entire life. Forget about apples. Think about the amount of money that you have used. Hmm? Can you calculate that? We can't even do that. Even though many of us are not even at that age where we are earning money ourselves. But just the money that we have spent with our own hands, or the money that we have used. Can we calculate that? So, asbagha alaykum ni'mahu. He has showered you with His blessings. He has given you everything that you need. You know, if we just start listing the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us just in our bodies, we wouldn't be able to list them. Just think about how many bones we have, and how many muscles we have, and how many nerves we have, and how many organs we have, and how many systems we have within our bodies. It's amazing. We don't even know about everything that is in our bodies. So, asbagha alaykum ni'amahu, his blessings, lahiratan wa batinatan. He has given you both types of blessings, manifest as well as hidden. What does it mean by this? Manifest blessings, apparent blessings, and hidden blessings, meaning unapparent blessings. You see, there are some blessings that we can see. Alright? We recognize them to be blessings. Isn't it? Which is why typically when somebody asks you, think about the blessings that Allah has given you, what do you come up with? Life, health, family, food, shelter, clothing. Typical, right? 
These are what? Zahira. Meaning there's no denying. We see them, we feel them, we experience them. There's no denying these blessings whatsoever. Zahira. Alright? And then batina, what are batina blessings? Hidden blessings, unapparent blessings. Those that are not really that visible, that clear to us. You know, you have to think about it a little bit and then feel, yeah, it's a blessing. Okay? Like for example, something bad happens. Okay? Something happens and it hurts you. Something happens and it bothers you. Okay? But then, ultimately, what do you see? That even that was a blessing. Even in that difficulty was a blessing. Even in that hardship was a blessing. It's amazing. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't decree anything that is pure evil. Isn't that what we believe? There's nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created that is 100% evil. Even if something is 99% evil, there will be 1% of good that is in it, that is attached to it. So in that way, everything that happens becomes what? Becomes what? A blessing. So if you don't see it, if you don't recognize it immediately as a blessing, it is eventually a blessing for you because it is batina. Right? How many times is it that we think about certain things that happened or certain things that are in our lives or certain individuals a blessing in disguise? That at first we didn't recognize it to be a blessing, but actually it was. Right? What we thought was the worst thing that could happen turned out to be the best thing that could ever happen. Isn't it? I mean, think about it. The Prophet ﷺ, he was in Mecca. He was doing da'wah to who? To the people in Mecca. Remember when he climbed on top of Mount Safa? And he called out who? The big, big people in Mecca. Right? The major, major families. Because those are the people that he could reach out to. Then when came Hajj, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ started meeting people. But so many people would come for Hajj. How many could he meet? How many could he do da'wah to? So what happened? Bad publicity started. Right? It was the mushrikeen of Makkah who actually went outside of Makkah on the roads of Makkah waiting for travelers to come warning them, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to this man. Be very careful. People walked into Makkah with cotton in their ears plugging them so that they wouldn't accidentally hear the words of the Prophet ﷺ. But what happened? It was this bad publicity that actually led them to Rasulullah ﷺ. But think about it. At first it must have been very hurtful, right? That this is what the mushrikeen are saying about me? They're calling me a magician? They're calling me a madman? They're calling me this? They're calling me that? I actually want good for them. And they're saying that I am destroying their society? I am one of them and they are basically throwing me aside. They're treating me like the enemy. But even in that was a, was what? A blessing. So remember this. Everything in our lives, what is it? It is a blessing. Either zahiratan or batinatan. Either it is zahir, blatantly, you know, obviously manifest blessing, or it's a blessing in disguise. Alright? Now, otherwise also we can see that there are some blessings we see and some blessings that we don't see. Like for example, what is on our body. So for example, your nails, you see them. And then you learn about what, you know, nails are for and what the benefit is and so on and so forth. And you're like, wow, what a blessing. Right? Alhamdulillah. But then inside your body, 
You've never seen your heart. You've never seen your liver. You've never seen your lungs. Right? They're batin. We may be grateful for our nails, but we forget to be grateful for our lungs. Right? But they're still blessings. Zahiratan wa batinatan. Right? Then, zahiratan, batinatan can also be understood as blessings that are tangible, zahira, and then blessings that are intangible, batina. Alright? Like for example, zahira, tangible blessings, food we eat, family that we have, intangible blessings, happiness, love, support, friendship. Right? This is also a blessing. Patience, gratitude, aren't these blessings? Right? The fact that we can reflect, this is also a blessing. So, ظاهرةً وباطنةً Another form of batin blessing is uh, good character. Right? حُسْنُ الْخُلُقْ ظاهر blessing, the religion of Islam, the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Right? So, أَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنَةً And if we start discussing the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, the list would be endless. Because Allah tells us in the Qur'an, وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْصُوهَا If you just even attempt, you try to list, to enumerate, number, count, the blessings that Allah has given you, you wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to count them. أَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنَةً وَمِنَ النَّاسِ And among people is man who يُجَادِلُ He disputes, he argues فِي اللَّهِ Concerning Allah, meaning about Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not deprived mankind. Generally, Meaning generally mankind and specifically, meaning specific individuals also. Alright? As a whole, Allah has not deprived mankind. The whole universe is subjected to their service. And specifically, meaning individuals also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not deprived them. He has given each person what he needs. More than what he can think about. More than what he can even see. What a person can recognize, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. Right? But still, there are people who argue about Allah. You see, all of these blessings, what do they show to us? What do they prove to us? The existence of Allah, the oneness of Allah, the lordship of Allah, the fact that He deserves to be worshipped, His uniqueness. When that is established, despite that, there are people who will argue about Allah, meaning about His oneness, so instead of believing in his uniqueness, what do they do? They believe in idols or they believe in partners. They associate others with Allah. They dispute concerning Allah. What is the dispute? His oneness. What is the dispute? His perfection. What is this dispute? It is his existence. But these people, when they dispute about Allah, how do they do that? بِغَيْرِ ilmin, Without any knowledge. وَلَا هُدًا Nor any guidance. وَلَا and nor كِتَابٍ munir A radiant, enlightening book. Basically they argue without any proof. You see, these are three levels of knowledge. Okay? One is general. Ilm. Ilm is what? Any proof. Okay? So they have no proof. Huda. Guidance. Guidance is what? It is part of ilm. Okay? It is part of ilm. And guidance is what? 
that which has come from a guide, like a messenger. Kitab. Kitab is part of Huda. Alright? It is more specific. Kitab meaning a revealed book, revealed scripture from Allah. And that is Munir. Munir meaning one that gives nur, one that is enlightening. So basically, those who deny the oneness of Allah, those who deny the existence of Allah, His uniqueness, the fact that He alone deserves worship, they argue, they dispute without any proof, without any evidence. In Surah Al-An'am, Ayah 121, Allah says, وَإِنَّ Indeed, the devils, they inspire their allies among men to dispute with you. So they have no proof. Where are they getting these ideas from? From shaitan. Shaitan is taking them away from submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا and when قِيلَ It is said لَهُمْ to them To who? To these people who deny the oneness of Allah, who deny the existence of Allah, even though the signs are so manifest. When it is said to them that ittabi'u, you should follow, all of you should follow, ma that which anzal Allah, Allah has revealed. Follow what Allah has sent down. Follow the guidance that has come from the Creator, Allah. What is their response? قَالُوا they say, بَلْ rather نَتَّبِعُوا We will follow مَا that which وَجَدْنَا We found عَلَيْهِ upon it أَبَاءَنَا Our forefathers. They say, we're not going to follow what Allah has revealed. We're going to follow the customs, the traditions, the religion that we have found our forefathers upon. We're going to stick to tradition. Even though it contradicts what Allah has revealed. We're gonna stick to our culture, our traditional practices, our religion that we have received from our forefathers who received from their forefathers. This is their proof. They don't have any ilm. They don't have any huda. They don't have any kitab in munir. What is it that they're holding on to? What is it that they're clinging to? What is it? What they have received from their forefathers. This is similar to how in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Ayah 104, we learn that when it is said to them, follow what Allah has revealed, قَالُوا حَسْبُنَا مَا وَجَدْنَا عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَنَا They say, what we have found our forefathers upon, that's enough for us. We don't need religion. We don't need Qur'an. We're fine the way we are. We're happy the way we are. Allah says, أَوَلَوْ A what? A is istifham. Alright? And you ask... When you really want an answer, when you're genuinely curious, when you're genuinely seeking an answer, and sometimes you ask out of what? Amazement, surprise. Isn't it? Like for example, you ask somebody, would you like some dessert? Okay? And it's something really delicious. And they say no. You're like, what? How can you not have it? It's like once my son asked me, because it happened in, you know, a couple of days in a row that he wanted ice cream and he asked me, Mama, do you want it? And I said, no. He's like, how come you don't want ice cream? He's like, he couldn't understand it. How come you don't want it? I said, I just don't feel like it. I don't want it. So when you find something strange, that is when you ask. Isn't it? When something doesn't make sense to you, because it's illogical, 
Right? That is when you ask out of surprise. So these people, what they're doing, they're leaving huda, they're leaving ilm, they're leaving kitab munir, and they're clinging to what? Just something they received from their forefathers. Allah says, awalaw, what? Will this still follow? Even if, kana shaytanu, shaytan is yad'uhum, he is calling them, ila adab al-sa'ir, to the punishment of the blaze? Do they realize what they're headed to? If they abandon the revelation, if they abandon the guidance that has come from the Creator, what are they headed to? Where are they going? They're going to the punishment of the blaze. Still they will adhere to it? Still they will follow it? You see over here, shaitan is calling them to the punishment of the blaze. Right? Because every way that contradicts the way of Allah, Alright? Ultimately, it's the call of who? Shaitan. No matter how pleasing it may seem. Right? No matter how fun and attractive it may appear to be. It's in reality a call of shaitan. For example, speaking the truth versus lying. Okay? Speaking the truth, is it hard? In some situations, it could be very, very hard. Right? So in this situation, lying is so much easier. It'll get you out of the problem. You'll be fine. Nobody will know. Right? And you'll be all good. Things will be back to normal. The way they were. But if we choose to lie, we are responding to whose call? Whose call? The call of shaitan. And the call of shaitan will lead a person to adab al-sa'ir. So, basically, a question is being asked over here that will they follow their forefathers without even thinking about the consequences? Without even thinking about the consequences? How often does it happen that in this world when we see something that exists in our tradition, in our culture, and we feel that it's harmful, don't we abandon it? Don't we leave it? You know, for instance, when it comes to weddings, right? Almost in every culture, you know, uh, there's this thing about you just have to spend. It has to be the best party ever, right? And this wedding party has to be better than the previous one, right? So there's more focus on the dress and more focus on the decorations and more focus on, you know, everything. Just make it better somehow. But how many times does it happen that now people will say, no, I'd rather spend that money on my education. I'd rather spend that money on feeding the hungry. I'd rather spend that money on buying a house for myself. Isn't it? So even though the family wants the bride and groom to spend on the wedding, what do they choose? What do they choose? Something better. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. I, I subscribe to National Geographic and I have for years. It's a good magazine. Um, in the latest issue, the cover story is on but um, inside they always have lots of studies and in the latest issue they have one on weddings and a study that a university in America did I don't remember which one it was on how much you spend on weddings and they did a study that weddings that spend more they gave the number of 20,000 the ones that spend more they end in divorce within three years the majority of them and they said the wedding they studied that the weddings that spend less on on the weddings and on the engagement rings and all the presents, they tend to last longer. Like the unions tend to last longer. And it reminded me of that hadith that the weddings are more blessed the simpler that they are. So 
I thought that was very interesting. You know, even when it comes to food, right? Uh, how many times does it happen that parents are like, you know, eat this butter and eat this bread, you need it. And then you're like, no. Butter, too much butter, right? Too much bread, too much this, too much that. It's not actually good for you in large quantities. It's good for you, but you have to limit it, isn't it? How often does it happen that your parents are telling you, eat this, and you're like, no, I'm not going to eat it because it's not good for me, right? How often does it happen that somebody tells you to dress in a particular way, and you're like, no way, I'm never going to do that, right? People advise you, and that advice is based on what? Years and years of their experience, of culture, of tradition, but you leave it when it contradicts popular culture. Right? You leave it when it contradicts your own personal choice. Why? Because you're using your mind. You're choosing to leave it if it contradicts what is better. So why is it that when it comes to religion, we don't use our mind over there? We will just stick to whatever has been passed on generation to generation. Right? So what is it that we have to look at? مَا أَنزَلَ Allah. What should be our focus? مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ That which Allah has revealed. Because that is al-haq. That is the truth. That is what is worthy of being followed. Because it is from the Creator. Beneficial. Full of khair. It is mubarak. So that should be our criteria. وَمَن يُسْلِمْ And whoever surrenders وَجْهَهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ his face to Allah. Before that actually, in the previous ayah, shaitan calling to shirk. In Surah Al-Hajj, ayah number 4, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ مَنْ تَوَلَّاهُ فَأَنَّهُ يُضِلُّهُ وَيَهْدِيهِ إِلَىٰ عَذَابِ السَّعِيرِ This is decreed for every devil, that whoever befriends the devil, whoever listens to the shaitan, then what will happen? Shaitan will misguide him and will lead him to the punishment of the blaze. So shaitan is enemy, treat shaitan like an enemy. وَمَن يُسْلِمْ And whoever surrenders, وَجْهَهُ His face إِلَى اللَّهِ to Allah. This is contrary to who? To the person who is disputing about Allah without any knowledge. To the person who is blindly following others without any knowledge. He is leaving proof for what? Tradition. He is leaving al-haq for what? For what is batil. So, who is he? He is the one who yuslim wajhahu ilallah. He surrenders, he submits his face to Allah. His entire face, meaning his entire being, his entire body. And your face, what is it basically? It shows the direction that you're headed to. Isn't it? Like for example, when you're driving, can you ever be looking constantly on your right? No, because if you look on your right, what's going to happen? The car is going to go in that direction. Isn't it? I remember my instructor told me that wherever you want to go, just look there. Just look there. So if you want to turn right, you have to look in that direction. If you want to switch lanes, you have to look in that direction. You don't have to look at the wheel. What is it that you have to look at? Your goal, your destination. Right? Because whatever your eyes are looking at, your whole body will follow it, you know, without even you thinking about it. Naturally your body will follow. So, yuslim wajhahu Allah, The one who surrenders his face to Allah, then what does it mean? He's submitting 
to Allah in his entire life. Right? Yuslim wajhahu. His eyes have submitted to Allah. His ears have submitted to Allah. His mouth, his brain, his head, what's inside his head, surrendered to Allah. That iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'een. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. So this person obeys Allah. And ilallah, to Allah, meaning his goal is ultimately who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's on a way that will lead him to Allah, his pleasure. Wahua muhsin. And he is also a muhsin. Meaning this person has surrendered to Allah, so he is obedient to Allah. And he is a muhsin in his life, meaning in his character, in his dealings, he does good. Because Allah loves those who do ihsan. And ihsan includes ihsan in ibadah, ihsan to the creation, ihsan in mu'amalat, in dealings with others. So he's a muhsin. Then this person, faqad, then in fact, istamsaka, he has grasped. What is it that he has grasped? Bil'urwatil wuthqa, the most trustworthy handhold. Istamsaka. Istamsaka is from meme seen calf. Imsak. Remember what imsak means? Right? To retain. To keep something with you. Alright? Now, istimsak is mubalagha in tamasuk. Tamasuk is to hold, to grab, to seize. And istimsak is to hold it, you know, with all of one's might, with determination. This is istimsak. Not letting go, not holding it Lightly, but strongly, firm grasp. So istamsaka, he has caught on to, he has grabbed, he has clutched. What is it that he is holding on to? Al-urwat, al-urwa, al-wuthqa. What is al-urwa? Al-urwa from the root letters, ain rawaw. Urwa is basically a handle. Alright? A handle by which you hold something. So for example, a cup. Right? A cup. What do you have on the cup, on the side? What do you have on the side? A handle. Why is it there? So that you can hold the cup. You understand? When you're in the bus, right, and you don't find a, a seat to sit on, then what is it that you hold on to? A bar, right? Or a handle, you know, coming, a loop or something coming from above. So you grab onto something. Now that something is what? Urwa. Okay? But has it ever happened that you're holding on to something, but then it breaks? It cracks, right? It happens, right? Why? Because it's weak. It cannot support you. It's not strong enough to support you. But the one who surrenders to Allah, and in his actions, in his life, he's a muhsin, then he has caught onto the handhold, which is al-wuthqa. Wuthqa is a feminine of the word awthaq. Awthaq from wawthaqaf. Awthaq meaning most firm. Remember the word mithaq? What is mithaq? Covenant. What kind of a covenant? What kind of a pact is it? Very firm treaty. Right? Very firm pact. Okay? Why is it mithaq? Because people have sworn oaths over it. That they will not contradict it. Right? That they will not break it. They will not go against it. So wuthqa meaning most secure, most firm, most strong, that is not expected to break. Meaning it's not possible that it will break. It's not possible that it will break. It's not possible that if you're holding on to it firmly, you will fall. 
And if you fall, it's because your grasp is weak. Not because the urwah is weak. Alright? So, فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُسْقَى He has grasped the most trustworthy handhold. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ And to Allah is عَاقِبَةُ الْأُمُورِ The consequence, the outcome of all matters. What do we learn in this ayah? Life is not easy. Life is what? It's basically going on a very bumpy ride, on a very rocky road, literally rocky road. There will be jerks, there will be jolts, there will be ups, there will be downs, there will be hurts, there will be falls, there will be a lot of hardship. This is what life is, because this life is a test. Now what happens is, that many times when a person, has it ever happened that you're driving and the road is bumpy, so you change the lane? Hmm? Or because the road is bumpy, you say, I'm not going on that road again, I'm going to take a different route. Hmm? There's a typical way that you go through, but because it's under construction, because of the traffic, what do you do? You change your way. You say, it's not worth it that I will sit in that traffic for that long. It's not worth it that I will go on this bumpy road, so many potholes that will put my car in danger. That by the time I'm done, I've reached my destination, I'm exhausted. It's not worth it. So when there's difficulty, what do we do? We change the road. Isn't it? Now when it comes to the religion of Allah, can we do that to ourselves? Can we do that to ourselves? That we say, oh it's too hard, so I'm going to change. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to leave it. You can't do that. Because if you do that, you're not going to get to your destination. So what is it that you need? The strength, the determination. Where do you get that from? By surrendering to Allah and doing ihsan. The person who does ihsan, the person who surrenders to Allah, then Allah will strengthen him. Allah will give him the ability to remain firm, to remain strong. Then this person will survive. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 256 also Allah says, فَمَن يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى لَنْ فِصَامَ لَهَا So what's the key over here? Iman. Iman in who? Allah. That Allah, I surrender to you. I seek your help. I want your pleasure. And you grant me success. I can't do it myself. I'm holding on to you because I'm weak. When is it that you need a handhold? When? Seriously, when do you need it? When you're weak yourself. Right? When is it that on your bike, you need those wheels at the back? What are they called? Training wheels. Why do you need training wheels? Because you can't balance on your own. And that's okay. Because you're human. Trust me, I still don't know how to ride a bike. I never learned how to balance properly. I just kept falling and falling and falling and hurting my knees and ripping my pants. And then I just gave up. And then I just grew up, so then I just never tried again. But anyway, it's fine. It's okay. And this is what this ayah shows to us, that we are weak and it's perfectly fine to accept your weakness. It's perfectly fine to accept your dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, that is servitude to Allah. That, oh Allah, I need you. 
I surrender to you. Why do you think it is إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُوا وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You we worship and you we ask for help. Because we cannot worship Allah without Allah's help. It's not possible. So the one who surrenders to Allah, who makes up their mind that I want Allah's pleasure. I am Allah's servant. And then, ihsan, doing everything they do at the level of excellence. Being good to people. There are so many ways of ihsan, right? So the one who brings ihsan in his life, he makes a habit of ihsan, then who will give him the determination to continue? Allah will. Who will give him the strength to not give up? Allah will. Who will give him the courage to not freak out? Allah will. فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى And the person who commits shirk, then what happens to him? The person who doesn't surrender to Allah. Allah gives the example in Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 31. That, وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَكَأَنَّمَا خَرَّ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ فَتَخْطَفُهُ الطَّيْرِ أَوْ تَهْوِي بِهِ الرِّيحُ فِي مَكَانٍ سَحِيقٍ The one who does shirk with Allah, it is as though he has fallen from the sky. No handhold. No stability in life. And he was snatched by the birds or the wind carried him down into a remote place. Meaning, at the end, there is only destruction. So what is it that we have to do then? We have to become sincere inwardly. In the heart, we have to become sincere. Right? This is surrendering to Allah and Allah alone. We have to purify our intentions. We have to bring ikhlas in our heart. And secondly, we need to become muhsin outwardly. Purify our intentions and bring excellence in our actions. This is what will let a person survive. This is what will give a person the strength to continue. Ikhlas inside and ihsan on the outside. Recitation. أَلَمْ تَرَوْا أَنَّ اللَّهَ سَخَّرَ لَكُمْ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَأَسْبَغَ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعَمَهُ ظَاهِرَةً وَبَاطِنَةً وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يُجَادِلُ فِي اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ وَلَا هُدًى وَلَا كِتَابٍ وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمُ اتَّبِعُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ قَالُوا بَلْ نَتَّبِعُ مَا وَجَدْنَا عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَنَا أَوَلَوْ كَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ يَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَى عَذَابِ السَّعِيرِ وَمَنْ يُسْلِمْ وَجْهَهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَى وَإِلَى اللَّهِ عَاقِبَةُ الْأُمُورِ